Everybody doing all right this morning? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord and to bear witness or testimony of your faith? Um, and I want to talk to you today about faith. Um, you know, there's an old adage that uh, most of the men here are going to recognize, guys. I, I'm going to speak to you for just a minute. If I were to say, uh, see, how does it go? Happy wife, you would say happy life, right? Happy wife, happy life. The guys know this. And if I want to be happy in this world, I need to, need to make sure that wife is happy, right? So I need to do whatever I need to do to please her. You know, actually, it kind of goes both ways, though. I mean, ladies, honestly, uh, happy life, happy husband, right? And so, in fact, what God does is he puts us together in marriage. And the sermon today is not about marriage. I'm just using this as an illustration, okay? So everybody relax just a second. But uh, I do... You know, I want to just say that uh, God puts us together, man and woman, husband and wife, uh, to meet one another's needs. And, uh, uh, and you're going to be blessed in life if you bless her or, or if you bless him, right? Happy wife, happy life, happy husband, happy life. And uh, that's just the reality. The problem is, is we've got to learn what that means or how to do that. How to, you know, I, one, of the, one of the great lessons I've had to learn is how to please my wife. And, and I... I haven't, you know, I'm still learning that, I guess. Um, you know, I, uh, over the last couple of months, I've been doing some premarital counseling with a, a young couple who are getting married. And uh, one of the things that I do with young couples, is I take them through something called the love languages, uh, because um, uh, Gary Smalley came up with uh, something many years ago that, uh, you know, he said there's five love languages. And the reason this is important is because men and women speak different languages, right? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and most of the time we're speaking a different language. And so we don't understand one another and we can't figure, you know, each other out. But there are these five love languages, and there's something like acts of service, uh, physical touch, gifts, uh, quality time, and um, words of affirmation. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And that was the ladies that most of it was the ladies that were speaking. Yeah. Hey, guys, pay attention. And uh, what you have to do is you have to know your spouse's love language. And sometimes, you know, there's more than one. And then you need to be ready to speak it, right? Okay, so if it's uh, words of affirmation, you need to uh, speak words of affirmation to build her up. Or, uh, because happy wife, happy life. I mean, it's our responsibility as a, uh, as a spouse to build up the other one. To, and, and really, I want to make her happy because I want a happy life as well. And, that, and so it works, it works that way, right? Well, watch this. You and I, as the people of God... We're called children of God. We're called the bride of Christ, right? The church, God's people. We're not, I'm not talking about the building now. The church is the bride of Christ. And we're married to him. If you think about that, you, know, you think about it in that way. And I've talked about before, what does it mean to be a Christian? Christ in you, you in Christ. And so you, he dwells within you, you dwell in him. We are married to the Lord Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. Now, if that's true, then we'd probably want to, you know, make sure that we keep our spouse happy. Because happy husband, happy wife, happy life, right? Happy God, happy life. Let's put it that way. So what is it? 
that makes God happy? What is it that, that pleases God about me, about you, about us? I mean, is it so like if I go to church, is that what makes God happy with me? Or if I read my Bible every day, God's going to be happy. He's going to be pleased with me if I give a whole bunch of money to the church, right? Or whatever. What, what, what is it that I do that makes God happy? You know, in the Old Testament, the prophets of God said, uh, because everybody thought, well, if I, you know, offer my sacrifices and I pay my tithes and I do all that, then God is going to be happy with me. And, you know, the prophets came along and said, you know what? If you gave a mountain of sacrifices or rivers of oil or tons of money, that's not what God's looking for. That's not what makes God happy. The stuff that we do is not in and of itself what pleases God. So what is it that God is looking for? What is it that makes God happy? Well, writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, or verse 6, chapter 11, verse 6, he says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God um, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, I want you to notice that he, the word impossible there. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, if you are not a man of faith or a woman of faith, God is not happy. It is absolutely impossible. There's no way that God is ever going to be able to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Without faith, it's not just not hard to please God. It's not just not very easy to please God. It is impossible to please God. In other words, without faith, God is not happy with you. And what does that mean? What does that look like? In fact, there's a number, a couple of other verses. In fact, the, the one that has always been just a kick in the head for me is Romans chapter 14, verse 23, in which the Apostle Paul said, everything that is not from faith is sin. Everything that is not from faith is sin. In other words, I could go to church every day of my life and twice on Sunday, but if I don't come to this building by faith, I'm sinning against God just by coming. I could give uh, millions of dollars to the ministry, and if I don't give it by faith or in faith, I'm sinning against God. Everything that is not of faith or done in faith is not just not good, it is sin. And remember, the Bible teaches that the wrath of God is poured out upon all sin. And so, what does it mean to be a person of faith? Because if without faith I can't please God, then the suggestion would be, or the other side of that would be, with faith, if I am a man of faith or if I'm a woman of faith, then what I do pleases God. That is, God is pleased in my faith or by my faith, if I live by faith, walk by faith, if I act by faith. God is pleased. And so if that's the reality, if faith is what pleases God, then we probably ought to know what faith is, right? So if I were to ask you this question that I just asked these children, what exactly is faith? What does that mean? And again, I want you to notice how vital this is. I, there was a fourth grade Sunday school class one time, and the teacher asked uh, 
her students that, what is faith? And one little boy said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. Well, that's because he was told to believe in God, but he never had seen God, and he wasn't real sure about it. So believing what you know ain't so. There are other people who say that faith is like positive thinking. It's just, it's just thinking positive thoughts, and, uh, or maybe it's a leap in the dark. You know, you, you take something and you hope that maybe it's true, you don't know whether it is or not, and you just kind of take that leap. How would you define faith? I mean, if I were to ask you, seriously, write down, write in your notebook there, whatever you've got, faith is, how would you define it? Now, some people say, well, I'm not sure I could define it because for me, faith is impossible. Faith is impossible. I've, I've talked to people before just uh, have said, I, I just can't believe you're asking me to do something that I just can't do. And they're talking about faith in God. But you know, the real reality is, is that we all live by faith every day. In fact, almost everything we do is done by faith. I mean, think about this. When we're finished here this morning and uh, they open the doors and we let you out of here, you're going to get in a car and uh, you might say, well, you know what? I want to go into Lake Jackson and get something to eat. So you and your family might go to Lake Jackson. And uh, you're going to drive down the road here, and you're going to come to a bridge over here uh, that goes across the Brazos River. And chances are you don't know who built that bridge. Maybe you're around when it was built several years ago, but you don't know what kind of materials they used in it, and, uh, and you don't know if they really set the... How do you know that that bridge is not going to fall over when you get up on top of it? Well, the answer is by faith. You're just going to go ahead and drive right across it by faith. You're trusting that it's not going to collapse. Now, as you're going into Lake Jackson, you're going to go down 332, and you're going to be traveling at 55-plus miles an hour. There'll be other cars coming the opposite direction at 55-plus miles an hour. So you're going to be passing other cars on that little two-lane road there at at least 110 miles an hour opposite each other, right? What, what makes you think that that person in that other car is not on their phone or doing something else, and they're going to cross over and hit you head on and kill you just like that. The answer is faith. You're going to keep on going. Every time you see a car, you're not going to pull over in the ditch and wait till they pass because you're going to trust that that person is not going to, is not going to cross over and hit you head on. When you get to the restaurant, uh, you're going to order some food, and somebody's going to come and set the food out in front of you, and you're going to start eating it. How do you know there wasn't poison put in that food? Are you going to make somebody test it? I mean, you're going to have your wife, hey, honey, try this first. And if she's okay, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead. No, you're just going to go, why? You believe, you trust, you have faith that whoever made that food didn't put, didn't put poison in it. And then maybe you have uh, some issues with blood sugar or something, so you have to take some medication when you eat. Or maybe you have to take some other medication sometime, and uh, you're going to take that little pill, and you're going to, without even thinking about it, you'll go ahead and put it in your mouth and go ahead and swallow it. Not really even thinking about, did the doctor who prescribed it, you know, uh, uh, did he know what he was doing? Or, or the people that filled it over there, did they put something else in it? No. By faith, you're going to go ahead and take that medication. And, and we could just go on and on and on. Everything, almost everything you do, you do by faith. Now, when we talk about Christian faith, we're talking about the object of our faith being, being the Lord Jesus or being God himself. And so, for us, faith is faith in God. And according to this verse, Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith in God, 
it is impossible for God to be pleased. Now, what Hebrews does for us here is he does his favor. He defines faith for us. So if I were to ask you, how would you define faith? Why don't you just open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And right here in verse 1, he's going to tell us what it is. Now, let me just... Again, set the table for you here just for a second. We've been, uh, we've been watching or we've been uh, studying here on these Sunday mornings the first 10 chapters of Hebrews in which the writer is laying out for us the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is superior to Moses. He's superior to the law. He's superior to all these other things, the angels and, and the high priest. He is our great high priest. And all. So the object of our faith is the Lord Jesus. And what he's been doing there, he's, he's been showing us that, okay? He's reminded us the wrath of God is poured out upon all sin. And all that had a point because it's bringing us to the place where we've got to know about our faith. And... Uh, he says in, uh, in the last part of that 10th chapter, what does faith do for you? What does it produce in your life? And we looked at that last week. And so if you didn't get that, you can go back and listen to the sermon. And then he, he wraps everything up in verse 39 and says, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. So, so the Lord Jesus is producing something in our lives through faith, and that's who we are. But wait a minute, what is faith? So he says in verse 1 of chapter 11, Now faith is, and here's the definition, the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, for by it our ancestors won God's approval. That is, by faith, our ancestors, the people of faith, won the approval of God or the pleasure of God by faith, verse 3, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Now, that third verse is an illustration. And I'll show you how that works here in just a minute. When we get to the, uh, the rest of chapter 11... He's going to give us the great roll call of faith. And so we're going to see all these individuals who exercised their faith or who lived by faith, who walked by faith, and uh, as an example of what it means to be a man or a woman of faith. Now here, though, is the definition. So there's going to be the demonstration, and we'll begin that next week. Today, we are in the definition. Faith is... And now I just want to give you three things that I see in this passage of Scripture. First of all, faith is. Have you ever wondered what faith is? We want to define it. Here we go. Faith is seeing God. Faith is seeing God. I want you to notice what he says there in verse 1. He says it's the reality. And there's two key words here. The word reality of what is hoped for and proof of what is not seen. The reality and the proof. That word reality just literally means the assurance or the certainty that something is real or that it exists or that uh, it's there. I mean, so if we're talking about faith in God, it's the certainty or the reality or the knowledge, the certainty that God is real or that God exists. Or if I were to, you know, to bring it down on a human level, I've got a little pulpit here. And, uh, and it's real, right? How do I know it's real? Well, I can see it. I can hear it. I can feel it. I can taste it. 
What's the other one? I could smell it. <laughs> There's five senses, right? And so what we're told is, is that the way you can know anything is real, right, is you observe it uh, with one of your five senses. And if it's, and if it's, if you can see it, taste it, smell it, hear it, whatever, then you know it's real. If you can't, then it's really not real. And that really is the problem that a lot of people have with God. Because I can't see him with these eyes, and I can't hear him with these ears, and I can't touch him with this hand, and I can't smell him or taste him. And so there's a lot of people that say, well, God doesn't exist because he can't be measured, uh, he can't be measured empirically or he can't be measured with my senses. So the writer says, well, but faith is the reality. It's knowing for certain that what you hope for is true. And then, and then he says it's the proof of what's not seen. That word proof there literally refers to a title deed. I mean, it would be kind of like this. If, if you had a long-lost uncle that had some properties, say he had 300 acres up in Montana, and he, he gave it to you. So he died, and in his will, you get the 300 acres. Now, you might have never been to Montana in your life. You don't, you don't, you don't even really know that Montana exists because you've never seen it. I mean, you see on a map something that says Montana, but you've never been there. So is Montana even real? But you get a title deed. And, and where this land is, you've never seen that as well. But you have a title deed there that tells you or proves to you that it's yours. And so what do you do? You, you take that title deed and you go to Montana. Because that's where you're at. It, it is the proof that you own what is said that you own. And so we're told here that faith is that reality. It's that certainty that what I hope for, I'm going to get. And it is the proof that what I can't see is true. That is, I may not be able to see God. Maybe I can't hear God with these ears. Maybe I can't feel him with these hands, but I know God exists. In fact, it comes out this way. There's an old saying, and this is the, um, uh, this is the thing that goes along with our senses. Seeing is believing. Do you believe that? Seeing is believing. If I can see it, I know it's real. Faith says believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. That is, if I have faith... I'm going to see God. That's exactly what he's saying here. Let me give you an illustration of this. A couple of, uh, well, several weeks ago, there was a little baby girl that was born up at uh, Children's Hospital. Beautiful, beautiful little baby girl. And um, this little baby's uh, grandparents are here in the, in the audience this morning. I'm not going to say anything about it because they're going to start breaking pictures out, and then we're going to have to look at pictures for a while. Shameless grandparents, we know how they are. And then I would have to show my granddaughters, and we'd have to compare which one's more beautiful, of course. But anyway, uh, this little baby girl was born, and uh, grandmother uh, was allowed to be in the birthing room. Dad was there. Uh, doctor was there. I'm assuming mom was there, too. Um, and the uh, baby was born, and when this little girl was born, her grandmother texted me and uh, to let me know that uh, the baby had come and was beautiful and everything else. And then she said something like this. I don't remember her exact words, but she said, and people say there's no God. How can anyone believe there's no God? In other words, she held this little baby in her arms. 
or, or and actually the baby was a little premature, so she might not have held her in her arms. She finally got to, I think, uh, maybe yesterday. But, but um, uh, she, she, she watches the miracle of the birth of a baby, and she says, man, that's God. I can see God in all of this. You know, somebody else sitting there would say, no, that, that's just the product of biological processes God didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, we can explain where babies, we, we know how babies, you know, get made in the mama's womb and everything. And, and, and it's just, a, it's just a, a, a biological process that takes place. One person looks at a brand new baby and sees God. Another person looks and says, no, there's no God. What's the difference? Faith. Faith is seeing God. By the way, I got to pause right here and tell you a little story. Back in the 1960s, uh, the um, uh, the cosmonaut—I think his name was Yuri Gagarin—was one of the first guys in space, a Russian cosmonaut. And when he came back, and you know, there uh, the official uh, uh, the official position of Soviet Union was atheism. God doesn't exist. Yuri Gagarin went up. Uh, into the heavens, uh, you know, he flew in space and he came back and said, I went up there and I looked around. I didn't see God. There's no God. W.A. Crystal, who was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas at the time, he said, you know, if Mr. Gagarin had stepped out of his space capsule even for a minute, he'd have seen God real quick, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. But, um, but, that, but that's the difference. What, what is the difference, right, between looking at a baby and seeing God and looking at, uh, uh, looking at a baby and not seeing God. And the difference is, is faith. Faith allows you to see God. The example that he gives us here is in the third verse. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by God. Right? Now, you know, both science and the Bible tell us that the universe has not always been here. That what we see... And by the way, that picture that is behind that verse of Scripture there, that picture is the Hubble deep field. That that entire picture there is basically the size of the edge of a dime at 70 feet. It's that much of the sky, that little sliver of the sky. And what you see there are not individual stars. The little light points that you see there are galaxies. In that one picture, there are over 1,500 countable galaxies, and they're more behind that they can't see. The new James Webb telescope can see a whole lot more even behind that. And that's just a little sliver, meaning that there are billions and billions of galaxies that are filled with billions and billions of stars. This universe in which we live in is absolutely massive. The Bible says that God puts his, he measures it with the span of his hand. That is, God sticks his hand out and the universe is about that far to that far. Scientists tell us that from one end of the universe to the other is something like 14 billion light years. And they say that it always hasn't been here. And we say, we understand it always hasn't been here. Big question is, how did the universe come into being? And the scientists will say, well, what happened was there wasn't anything, and then there was this big explosion. It's called the Big Bang. And for no particular reason, at this period in time, there was this explosion, and everything that you see came into being. And then it started expanding, and then finally uh, the Milky Way, you know, developed, and then our sun, and then about four billion years ago, our Earth uh, came along, and everything that you see goes all the way back to this to this big explosion. 
Now, the problem with that, of course, is that the Big Bang Theory, and it is a theory, folks. Don't let anybody confuse you. The Big Bang Theory violates every known physical law. Okay, so, I mean, the first law of thermodynamics uh, says that matter can neither be created nor destroyed, only altered in form. Well, if matter cannot be created or destroyed, and there was nothing, and then all of a sudden there was something, something had to happen to create that, and yet a, a scientist who believes in the Big Bang, and by the way, if you were to go to any of the universities around here and take a physical science class, they're going to tell you that everything happened by this big explosion called the Big Bang. It is not just theory, it is fact, but you can't prove it, so how do you know it? Faith. If you believe in the Big Bang, you have to accept it by faith. You have to. And those who believe in it accept it by faith. A person who believes in the Word of God says, in the beginning, that is, there wasn't anything, then God, God was there, and he spoke it into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then all the way down through the days of creation, God spoke it all into being. How do I know that's the way it took place? Faith. By believing in the Big Bang, I can see it. I could teach it. I could be certain that it happened by faith. Or I can believe in God. And by faith, I can accept what God tells me to be true. You see, it's all by faith. Faith is seeing. And you can see the Big Bang if you have enough faith. I personally don't have that much faith. Or you can see God if you have faith. And for me, I can see God. Why do some people look at the universe and say, Big Bang? And they don't see God. Faith? Why do others see the universe and say the heavens declare the glory of God? Faith? You see, faith is seeing. How can you look at a baby and say there's, there's no way to deny God's existence? All of that is by faith. There's a really interesting story, and just real quick, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, and the prophet Elisha is a prophet of God in, in the northern kingdom of Israel. And the Arameans, the king of uh, Aramea, is, doesn't like it because every time he wants to invade Israel, he, uh, he, he, the king of Israel knows what he's going to do and kind of thwarts his plans. And, and he finds out that there's this prophet named Elisha in Israel. And uh, he's, he knows what you know, God tells him. Hey, the king of Aramea is going to do this. Go tell the king he does that. So... So the king of Aramea says, I'm going to go down and take care of that boy. <laughs> so he sends his army down, and he circles uh, the town in which Elisha lives in or his house. And that morning, his servant, Elisha's servant, goes out, and there he sees this big, massive army that has surrounded him, and it freaks him out. Man, he is scared to death. He goes in, Elisha, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, hey, just calm down a minute, because those who are with us are more than with them. <laughs> and... Uh, he says, what, what are you talking about? And in verse 17 of 2 Kings 6, Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. Now watch this. This was the spiritual eyes because this is a spiritual army he's going to see. He opened his eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha could see those things. His servant couldn't. Why? Faith. 
And so when Elisha, the man of faith, prayed and God opened his eyes, he saw it. Faith is seeing God. And what that means, beloved, now let me just give you just a real practical thing. If that's true, if faith is seeing God, Apostle Paul then comes along into the Corinthians, he says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we, God's people, children of faith, we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. How do you see what is unseen? Faith Faith is seeing God. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And if you will just put your faith in Jesus, you will see God. Faith is seeing God. First thing. Second thing. Here we go. Faith is hearing God. Faith is hearing God. Now, let's just be honest for a minute in everything we've said about faith. Faith is not natural to most of us because we're all skeptics, you know. Most of us come from Missouri to show me state. I got to see it to believe it. I got to, I got to hear it. I got to touch it. I got to smell it or, or taste it. And faith is seeing God. Faith is hearing God. How do I develop faith? How do I get faith? Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. Apostle Paul said, "So by you are saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves." Now I want you to notice that that verse doesn't say that you're saved by faith. You're saved by grace, which is the gift of God. uh, Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's the love of God. It's the forgiveness of God. That's how you're saved. But the way that, that grace comes to you is through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. That is, if you don't have faith, you're not getting the grace of God. The only way God's grace comes to you is by the conduit of faith. But I want you to notice what it says there in the last part of that verse. He says, it is God's gift. Now, what's the it there? What is God's gift? Grace? Yes. Because the word grace itself refers to gift. I mean, that's what it is. It's the, it's charis is the Greek word, and that's what it literally means, a gift. Grace is the gift of God. It's what we get from God we don't deserve. When we deserve something opposite, Grace is what we get, the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. This is what we get from God. But what about faith? Because, you know, the antecedent to it there is faith. For by grace you save through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Beloved, I would suggest to you that, that faith itself is something that we receive from God. And This is very, very important to us, I think. God not only gives us grace to be saved, but he gives us the faith to receive it. And and so what I I think this is important is because we need to understand, because he's going to go on to say, it's not of yourselves, right? It's not of works. Your faith is not a work that you do in order to receive God's grace. It is part of the work of God in your life. And so I think an important question might be, well, how does God give me faith? How does he provide faith for me or, or work faith in my life? And that's a really interesting question, I think. And some people would say, well, you know, if I could just see something, right, I'd believe it, right, because seeing is believing. And so, for example, if God would do a big miracle, and by the way, this is why there's a lot of churches that kind of focus on the miraculous uh, things and the sign gifts because you got to see it, Right? Or you got to hear it, or you got to see it. So if we had a big miracle, you know, healing service down here, there's a lot of people say, well, I'd, yeah, I'd believe in God. 
Yeah, I'd believe in him. Sure. If I could see it. You know, it's kind of interesting. They asked Jesus the same thing. They came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, show us a sign. You want us to believe in you? Cool. Show us a sign and we'll believe. And Jesus said, okay, I'll give you a sign. I'm going to give you a great sign. I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. And he says in Matthew 12, 44, as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. In other words, here's the sign I'm going to give you. I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. There is your sign. And you know what? He did exactly that, and there were a whole lot of people that still didn't believe. In fact, they knew that Jesus rose from the grave, and they said, they told those soldiers, hey, don't go tell anybody that. You go lie, and you tell them something different. You know, some people think that if God would just do something big, you know, we, would, we could believe in him. Like, so what if, you know, like right now, God just with a big, humongous hand that everybody could see out there, reached down and grabbed the roof of this building and just kind of lifted off, and he looked down. He said, hey, folks, love you. Hey, next week, I'm going to be here. Invite everybody to come. All right? I'll see you next week. Bonk. You know, before he got the roof back on the building, some of us in here would already have that on Facebook. Man, that would already be going viral. And we'd also have it on Instagram and all that other stuff. You know, whatever we got, we'd be twitting and all that other stuff, right? And man, I tell you what, people would be saying, what, what happened? Oh, yeah, God just, I mean, we saw it. We saw him reach down. He did this great, mighty thing, and next week he's going to be here. And man, can you imagine the people that would be here next week? I'd get a, I got a feeling that maybe most of us, man, we'd find everybody we knew and say, man, you got to come, man, because I, I tell you, that was something, man. And next week, and, pe and people would come, man, they would want to see that. But you know, next week, if, if all we did was preach the Word of God, if we just preached the gospel, they wouldn't come back the week after that. Because <laughs> you know what? Seeing is not really believing. Believing is seeing. That's what Jesus said. You want a sign? Here's the only sign you're going to get. I'm going to die for you, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. And if you can't get with that, man, you... You're not going to get it at all. So, so how, how do I get my faith? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the apostle Paul said, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard through the message of Christ or through the word of God. Our faith is not produced by miracles. It's produced by God's word. I mean, interestingly enough, what God says, and then I take what he says, and I begin to apply it to my life. God works faith in my life. And so what we're going to see is faith is not just a feeling that I have or a thought that I have. It is actually something real in my life that I do. I'll talk about the doing of faith in just a minute, but what's the message of Christ? And what is he talking about? He's talking about the Word of God. Beloved, God is speaking. Faith is hearing God. And God speaks through his Word primarily. Now, he speaks in a number of different ways, but he speaks through his Word. And that's one of the reasons that we emphasize around here so much. In vacation Bible school, we teach it. And in Sunday school, we study it and everything else. We get into the Word of God. 
And this is why I would encourage every child of God, every day, be in God's word. Every day be reading it, be studying it, be memorizing it. Why? Because God speaks and faith is hearing God. I had a good friend one time, a pastor friend. He said to me, Greg, I haven't heard from God in over six months. And I said, brother, where's your Bible, man? Where's your Bible? You haven't heard from God in six months, man? Get in the word of God. Read it and study it. This is the same thing Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 46. He said, if you believe Moses, and Moses he's talking about is the written word of God. If you believe Moses, he said, you'd believe me, but because he wrote about me. God is speaking. And he's speaking in his word, by his word, through his word. How can you read the word of God and not hear God? Some people read it and they don't hear anything. Other people read it and God is speaking all over the place. What's the difference? Faith. Because faith is hearing God. And so if you're not hearing God, get in God's word. Last thing, faith is obeying God. Faith is obeying God. So we have the definition of faith here. It's the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. And in the rest of the chapter, we're going to see the demonstration of faith. So we've got the definition of faith. And then in that great roll call of faith, we're going to have the demonstration of faith, people living out their faith. And if you, as we study and we look at each one of those men and women of God who lived by faith, I want you to notice that they lived in different times. They had different circumstances in their life. There was a whole lot of uh, stuff that was different. But what happened was they were the same in this one thing. They exercised their faith. That is, they did something about it. So, for example, you take Noah, who's living in a desert, in the middle of a desert, and God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. What's a boat? Noah's never seen a boat. There's no water around. Build a boat. What's a boat? Well, a boat's something that's going to float on the water. We're going to put stuff in it and everything. And Noah says, well, okay, can you give me some plans on that, you know? And so God gives him the plans. And the craziest thing, for 120-some-odd years, Noah builds a boat in the middle of the desert, and people are coming up. He's crazy Noah. That's crazy Noah. People who live by faith look crazy to the rest of the world. That's old crazy Noah. But he did what God said to do so that when the flood came, he was ready. Why did Noah do what God said do? Faith. <clears throat> Another example is going to be a dude named Abraham who lived down in something called Ur of the Chaldees, which is all the way down in what would be southern Iraq right now. And uh, God said, uh, hey, Abraham, I got a place uh, I'm going to give you. And Abraham, who was a pagan at the time, and God spoke to him and he heard him. God said, I'm going to give you something. And Abraham's like, well, uh, where is it? And God said, well, I'll, I'll show you when we get there. Well, how am I going to get there? Well, you just start walking with me. How long is it going to take? Just follow me, which, by the way, is the basic call of faith to every individual. Just follow God, follow God. That is, obey me. If I say we're going to go this way, you go this way. If I say we're going to go that way, you go that way. And so Abraham, the Bible says, he just started walking with God, and he ended up in a place called the land of Canaan, and God gave it to him. He didn't even have any kids and he didn't see how that was going to work out. And God said, I tell you what, you just trust me and I'll take care of this, son. And you know what? God took care of it. Because a man of faith, a woman of faith, takes what God says and then does it. And doing it is faith. 
In James chapter 2, James said, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. That's intellectual belief. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless or faith that doesn't produce obedience in what God says is dead faith. It is not saving faith. It's not faith at all. If I'm not going to do what God says, I really don't believe what God says. So I don't have faith. So faith is obedience. If I believe that... uh, uh, that bridge will hold me up, but I never get on the bridge because I'm afraid it's going to fall. I really don't have faith in the bridge. There's, a, there's a, one of the, the great Christians of all times, a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote, a, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to pick it up and read it. He was a pastor in Germany in the 1930s. He actually came to the United States in 1938. Uh, during the, the height of the, the Hitler, you know, movement. And uh, he saw what was happening. He believed that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. And he came to the United States, and he could have stayed here. He, was, uh, he lectured. He met with a whole bunch of uh, Christian folks, as he had already written Cost of Discipleship and a number of other works, one of the most brilliant Christian minds ever. He could have stayed here in the United States, but he was concerned about his native Germany, and so he went back to work for... Uh, for truth and, and life. Uh, in 1942, he was accused of uh, being a part of a conspiracy, a plot against Hitler, and so he was arrested and put into a, uh, a concentration camp where he stayed for about the next two years. Um, he spent that time writing. And, and anyway, in, in The Cost of Discipleship, he wrote this. Faith is only real when there is obedience. Faith is only real where there is obedience, never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Now, you get that last part? Faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. If I don't act upon what I believe, I don't really believe it. Faith acts. Faith is obedience to God. And about two weeks before the concentration camp in which he was in was liberated, they took Dietrich Bonhoeffer out and put a rope around his neck and hung him for his faith in Jesus Christ. It cost him everything to follow Christ. And beloved, you and I really are called to the same thing. We're called to obey God, to follow him wherever he says go. That is the primary call. Don't just believe it. Don't just sit in the pew and think it or, you know, go to church or whatever. Do it. Faith is seeing God. It's the reality. It's the certainty. It's the proof. It's all the proof that you need. It's hearing God, taking him at his word, and hearing the voice of God. But, but the greatest part of that is then just doing it. And I don't have faith if I don't do what God says. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I just want to wrap it up with this question. Is God happy with you? I mean, you know, the reality is we all want to stand before God and hear that well done, good and faithful servant, right? I mean, that's what I want to hear. But without faith, 
no matter what I do, if I preached a million sermons, if I baptized hundreds of thousands of people, if I did all these things but without faith, God's not happy. He's not happy with me. Without faith, he's not happy with you. Is God pleased with you? Do you have faith, really, is the question. And I say, well, how, how do I know if my faith is real? Are you seeing God? Are you hearing God? Are you obeying God? Faith is that. By faith, I see God. By faith, I hear God. By faith, I obey God. And if that's not true, then I need to check my faith. Beloved, that's the invitation this morning. Check your faith. Father, I would pray today in the name of Jesus, as you speak, Lord, as you show yourself, Lord, that we might see, that we might hear, but, Lord, that our faith might be obedience. So whatever you're calling, whatever you're saying, whatever you're showing today, Lord, may our response be the reality of our faith today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And the invitation is just to respond to the Word of God by faith. I see God. I hear God. I obey God. And that might mean something different to you. It might mean to come before the Lord and maybe recommit your life. It might be to repent of sin. It might be to, to give your life to Him for the first time. The invitation this morning is to respond by faith. As God shows Himself, as God speaks today to you right now, just by faith, come on, as we sing.